This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals only. Welcome back to the Diabetes Knowledge into Practice podcast, bringing you news, views and updates in diabetes care. Today's episode is supported by an educational grant from Novo Nordisk AS, who have had no influence on the content or the choice of faculty. Today we're focusing on an ongoing issue in clinical inertia, a hesitancy to introduce injectable therapies. This episode will examine barriers faced by both patients and clinicians to introducing these therapies, and later we'll speak to Dr. Ronald Goldenberg for his advice on how to overcome these barriers. When escalating therapy in type 2 diabetes, the EASD-ADA guidelines recommend giving an additional agent if the patient isn't meeting their glycemic target after around three months. As of 2018, the guidelines recommend that a GLP-1 receptor agonist should be attempted before advancing to insulin, and in 2019 it was also recommended that patients at high cardiovascular risk are given either a GLP-1 receptor agonist or SGLT2 inhibitor independently of their glycemic status and targets. However, the guidelines are not always being followed. In type 2 diabetes, clinical inertia is particularly notable in the context of advancing from oral to injectable agents and appears to drive delays of around 6 to 8 years when advancing to insulin therapy, as reported by Akima and colleagues in a 2018 review. This is in spite of the importance of avoiding these delays being demonstrated. Paul and colleagues found in a 2015 retrospective study that a delay in intensification of just one year caused a 62% higher risk of cardiovascular outcomes, including myocardial infarction, stroke and heart failure. This stems from a number of patient-level and clinician-level barriers. From the patient perspective, this can include lack of understanding of the progressive nature of the disease, resulting in a perception that the need to intensify is related to their condition suddenly worsening or to a personal failure to manage it effectively. Patients may also have concerns around having to manage a more complicated regimen or fear of side effects such as hyperglycemia and weight gain in the case of insulin. Conversely, one barrier at the clinician level, as reported by Akima and colleagues, is an overestimation of their patient's resistance to initiating insulin because of fear of painful injections. Another is a lack of time to keep up to date with new data on available medications and their uses. In order to address this injection-related inertia, it's essential to work together with patients to address barriers and provide optimal treatment to improve patient outcomes. As discussed early in Season 3, the EASD-ADA recommendations for patient-centred care advocate working together to set targets and employ shared decision-making. Where there is a clear need to intensify to insulin, clinicians should therefore facilitate educational discussions with these patients to address misconceptions and fears related to intensifying treatment with injectable agents. Today we're joined by Dr Ronald Goldenberg to discuss how to facilitate these discussions and overcome these barriers to initiating injectable therapy. Dr Goldenberg is a consultant endocrinologist affiliated with North York General Hospital and LMC Diabetes and Endocrinology in Ontario, Canada, and he's been an investigator in many clinical trials in diabetes, hypertension, obesity and dyslipidemia. His disclosures are available in the episode notes. So firstly, there are a number of barriers that contribute towards the clinical inertia that we see with injectable therapy in diabetes. 
But are these the same for both insulin and with GLP-1 receptor agonists? Actually, uh, Emma, that's a very good question because uh, there are clinical inertias around injectables in general, but really other than both being injectable medications where the fear of an injection can certainly apply to both insulin and GLP-1s, the, the barriers are actually quite different amongst these two classes of injectable medications. So for example, a, a GLP-1 is generally much simpler to explain to the patient and easier for the healthcare provider to prescribe than insulin. Um, certainly there's no need to base titration based on blood glucose monitoring with GLP-1 receptor agonists and therefore generally much easier to titrate. Uh, there's very little worry about hypoglycemia with GLP-1 receptor uh, agonists unless they uh, have insulin or sulfonylureas in the, the background, but certainly hypoglycemia is a greater clinical concern and, and a barrier to uh, insulin management. And uh, one of the issues about insulin is many of our patients view insulin as a last resort for treating their condition. And when they're told they need insulin, they associate it with more severe disease. And they often think that having to need insulin is a punishment or actually is a death sentence. And for that reason, they often fear insulin and are reluctant to go ahead with it. And these fears really don't exist with GLP-1 receptor agonists. In fact, after our patients hear about the weight loss with this class and certainly the potential for the cardiovascular benefit with some of these agents, many individuals view this class in a much more positive fashion than they would insulin. So while they're both injectables and there may be fear of injection, there are a lot of differences contributing to the clinical inertia related to these therapies. And given that guidelines recommend using a GLP-1 receptor agonist before insulin, there's a good chance that some patients might require both. So does initiating a GLP-1 receptor agonist help facilitate discussions surrounding addressing insulin or are there completely new barriers to consider in this setting? And most of us do prefer uh, GLP-1s as the first injectable before insulin for the large majority of our patients. And uh, fortunately, once an individual is treated with an injectable GLP-1 receptor agonist, there is no longer the fear of an injectable if they have to advance to insulin because they're already used to injecting themselves. And therefore, it's quite simple to teach them the uh, insulin injection uh, when they have to uh, advance to that therapy. But there are some new barriers that come up for insulin that certainly do not exist while they've been on the GLP-1 receptor agonist. So first of all, uh, the side effect profile is much different. So the awareness of weight gain, hypoglycemia and all the counseling around recognizing hypoglycemia and how to treat it becomes much more of an issue when our patients uh, add insulin to GLP-1 receptor agonists. Uh, monitoring of glucose and self-adjustment of the dose they're giving uh, becomes uh, uh, an issue uh, uh, and a new barrier uh, to address that really is not a big issue with GLP-1 receptor agonists. And uh, finally, and uh, importantly, we find this in practice is that while the individual may be quite accepting of a once weekly GLP-1 injection, often when they hear they have to inject themselves 
once or even more than once daily with insulin, it may be concerning to some of our patients who have to advance to insulin therapy. Uh, we're hoping in the near future when there's a once weekly basal insulin uh, available that that will uh, eliminate that, uh, uh, that barrier, but uh, we still have to await once weekly insulin uh, on the market. And how do you personally address injectable inertia with your patients? Yeah, there are certainly things we can do and we do routinely in the clinic to get over this uh, so-called injectable uh, inertia. Uh, I find that showing the patient the pen devices is usually very helpful. It reassures them when they see the very small needles. And uh, if you have them actually self-administer a test injection in the presence uh, of yourself or any other healthcare provider, um, they usually get over the fear of an injection quite away, quite early as they realize this is a, a simple thing to do. Uh, I find that using a team approach is very helpful for teaching. So uh, getting the nurse educators involved, our pharmacists, our primary care physicians can be very uh, uh, helpful. And for insulin in particular, there are certain tips and uh, advice we give to our patients so that they're more accepting of insulin. And one is explaining that type 2 diabetes is a progressive condition where their ability to produce their own insulin over time uh, will decline. And when that happens, they may need to take insulin by injection. So if we tell our patients very early on that insulin may be needed at some point down the road, they're more accepting of uh, insulin and they don't view it as, let's say, a punishment for their uh, condition. Uh, and then counseling about hypoglycemia so that they know how to recognize it and treat it and having them understand that a lot of the newer insulins that we prescribe cause far less hypoglycemia than some of the uh, older insulin preparations makes them reassured that they don't have to be as afraid of hypoglycemia because many of them have seen relatives or friends have severe uh, hypoglycemia. And as far as inertia for GLP-1s, I think it is important to explain to our patients that a GLP-1 receptor agonist, although it's an injection, it's not insulin treatment, but rather it's a medication that boosts the effect of a hormone in their body that is important for producing their own insulin. And when they hear that, they are more accepting uh, because they're actually treating one of the causes of their uh, condition. And then I find if I mention the weight loss and the potential for preventing heart attacks or strokes with some of these agents, in addition to improving their blood glucose, um, you know, they understand the importance and uh, the need for such an injectable medication. So if you do all of these things, we can definitely get over the uh, inertia uh, around injectable therapies. And finally, what could our listeners start doing tomorrow to help their patients to understand injectable therapies and make informed decisions around these agents? Yeah, so the first thing I'd like to tell our listeners is that we're actually quite fortunate as healthcare providers and our patients should be quite happy that we have two classes of injectable therapies for type 2 diabetes. So those are insulin and GLP-1 receptor agonists. Uh, and uh, we tend to use GLP-1 receptor agonists earlier and insulin a little bit later, but we certainly want to avoid uh, clinical inertia with uh, each of these classes. And 
Uh, I certainly explained to my patients that the GLP-1 injectable offers excellent improvement in glucose, probably the best of any class of medication uh, without having to worry about low blood sugars. Uh, they'll lose weight and 90% of our patients need to lose weight and they'll probably lower their chance of a, a heart attack or stroke with some of these agents. So um, if you tell your patients this starting tomorrow, you'll find that they'll be less uh, fearful of advancing uh, to a GLP-1 receptor agonist. Uh, insulin, uh, it's a little bit different. Uh, I think our patients have to understand that many patients over time will need insulin, so they should expect it down the road, uh, highlighting the simplicity of the injection and the painlessness of injections with both classes is very important. And probably for your patients who are injection phobia, so to speak, just take a few minutes and show them the needle, show them the pen devices, have them give a test injection. And I find that's probably the most important thing that our listeners can start doing to help get over the uh, inertia around injectable uh, therapies. Um, and uh, with that, hopefully we'll improve the care of our patients with diabetes. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast on your favourite app or recommend us to your colleagues. You can stay up to date by following us on Twitter at DKI Practice or connecting on LinkedIn. You can find links to these in the episode notes as well as all the references we discussed today.